0: I'm David Brown, and this is Business Wars. The COVID-19 pandemic has upended just about every facet of life in every nation in the world. Lockdowns, social distancing, and mask wearing— became commonplace in 2020, but 2021 brought a glimmer of hope. Vaccines developed in record time by Pfizer-BioNTech, Moderna, Johnson & Johnson, and AstraZeneca offered a path toward putting this scourge of a virus behind us. But the rollout of these miracle vaccines has suffered its fair share of bumps in the road. U.S. health officials just cleared Johnson & Johnson vaccines to resume distribution. That's after they were halted for causing extremely rare blood clots in some women. AstraZeneca still has not received approval for their drug in the United States and a terrifying surge in cases in India. Has some questioning whether access and availability to these vaccines is as fair and equal as it should be. For more, we're talking with Annalisa Morelli. She is a healthcare care reporter for Quartz. She's been covering the pandemic and the economic effects of the vaccine rollout. She's also been reporting on the current crisis in India. We'll be talking about the amazing achievements of the vaccine makers the perils and promise of this stage of the pandemic and how previously anonymous drug companies like Moderna and BioNTech have become household names. All that's coming up next. Enjoy a powerful business upgrade with Dell Technologies Black Friday in July event. Get amazing savings with up to 50% off high performance computers and tech built for business and be able to take your office with you with Windows 10 Pro. Plus, get great offers on Dell servers, monitors, docks, and more, all with easy financing options through Dell Financial Services. Call 877-ASK-DELL, that's 877-ASK-DELL, and speak with a Dell Technologies Advisor today. Louisiana has unmistakably unique culture, world-class cuisine, and the nation's top-ranked workforce development program. This incredible state's business environment is powerful, rich, and diverse. It's the gateway to 38 states and the world with a port system delivering the most domestic cargo in the U.S. It's also where NASA and higher ed partners build rockets that will transport the first women to the moon. Discover Louisiana's investment resources at OpportunityLouisiana.com to learn how your company can gain a competitive advantage in Louisiana. Annalisa Morelli, welcome to Business Wars.
1: Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here.
0: Uh, just one year prior to us recording this interview, I recall we were in the thick of the first lockdown, and I think all of us have that moment, you know, that we that we remember. And it, and a vaccine at the time was talked about almost like a fairy tale, right? But now we have mm-hmm. three approved here in the U.S. Can you put into context for our listeners just how difficult that really was to pull off? Because I'm not sure everyone fully realizes what a stupendous feat this was in medical terms.
1: Yeah. So um, about a year ago, uh, I would say the most uh, optimistic estimates were that it was going to take a year and a half. And anyone would say, you know, any sort of prediction that the vaccine might be available before Mm -hmm. the end of 2020 were sort of dismissed as wishful thinking almost. Um, And that is because even a year and a half would would have been a great acceleration over the regular timeline of vaccine, which is at least, and has been so far, at least, you know, four or five years of work. Um, And, you know, we have vaccines that have taken decades to develop. So really, the fact that uh, it took less than a year, it's, Absolutely. Not only it's unheard unheard of, but it's a you know it's a stunning feat. And and I think there's two uh, things to uh, sort of be thankful for mm-hmm. when it mm-hmm. comes to that. So one is um, you know the fact that at least the, f- the the first two vaccines to be approved in the U.S. and to be ready to, uh, you know for deployment, which were uh, Pfizer and uh, Moderna vaccines, both use mRNA technology, which makes it much faster to have vaccine candidates. And, you know, and there, you know, in that situation, then we got a little bit lucky in that, uh, you know, the coronavirus, uh, like, you know, COVID-19 virus didn't really mutate very much. And like even the variants, you know, by and large so far have been covered by the vaccine. So we were lucky that then the trials kind of proved effective and we were, you know, able to um, start inoculating people. Mm -hmm. But, But at the same time, uh, the other thing that was really uh, unprecedented is the kind of international cooperation that went into it when it comes to the scientific community, Um, you know, and kind of building onto one another's progress also, uh, you know, uh, Mm -hmm. saved us sometimes. And, and, you know, I don't foresee that this is something that we will see again in the near future and hopefully there won't be, you know, similar need in, in the same way.
0: You know, that's a very interesting point that you make about whether or not we'll see more of this in in, in the future, because this was sort of groundbreaking on so many levels. But I want to get to something that you were saying a little bit earlier about mRNA. And one of the more fascinating parts of this story is just how close drug companies came, or researchers for that matter, to abandoning mRNA as an approach, right? I mean, it took a global pandemic, in a sense, to make this technology viable. Am I right?
1: Um, There hadn't been the big investment that you would imagine for something that is so groundbreaking and with such potential. Uh, And now, because of all the money that went into the development of this specific vaccine, we sort of have, now we know it works. And we're coming out of this very tragic year and a half uh, with a really like a new tool in the arsenal of medicine, really, that can be applied to a lot of things.
0: Yeah, it's interesting because the the technology appeared to be there, the theory and and the research appeared to be there, but there wasn't a drug that was built around this principle, this mRNA uh, uh, approach. And now here we have a life-saving vaccine. But I want to shift for a moment because mRNA and Moderna have been closely affiliated, but I want to focus on Pfizer for just a minute. You know, they're selling billions of dollars worth of vaccines. The company is expecting huge profits to roll in this year. Pfizer's an old company. They've been around for what, more than 150 years. Can you say something more about what set Pfizer's success apart from some of the com- competitors?
1: Well, uh, they partner with BioNTech. So they just sort of like combined uh, the size and the you know manufacturing opportunity of an old established company pharmaceutical company with a biotechnology company that worked on on mRNA, and then that partnership, um, you know, just was really successful and allowed them to, uh, you know, produce vaccines that much at mass.
0: Yeah. Yeah. You know, they weren't the only partners, of course. AstraZeneca uh, worked with Oxford University on development and production. You had Johnson & Johnson joining up with um, pharmaceutical company uh, Merck uh, to to boost production. It seems like that J&J-Merck partnership took a little extra effort to get off the ground. The federal government had to retrofit one of Merck's facilities in North Carolina, which hadn't been inspected since 2018. And, of course, there have been those stories about Johnson & Johnson's hiccups along the way. Why do you think Johnson & Johnson still saw the collaboration, even at, even though they were sort of uh, uh, they were playing catch-up? They were in catch-up mode, in a sense, for a long time. Why do you think they still saw this collaboration as a lucrative deal, and did any of that contribute to the man- manufacturing error that caused them to have to trash something like 15 million doses? I'm talking about this partnership here with Mert. Well, um,
1: so... I think a couple of things I think the partnership between j and j Merck is different from the others that you have mentioned mm. uh because the, the other uh you know the other partnerships have you know are two different kind of institutions right so you you'd have BioNTech, it's a biotechnology company partnering with Pfizer, which is an old pharmaceutical company j and j and Merck right. they're both pharmaceutical companies, and i think there's i mean there's many reasons why it was worth going, you know, going forward. Uh, You know, uh, one is definitely there was a need. And it's a different technology that is, for instance, easier to transport. It doesn't Mm. require the kind of cold storage that um, Pfizer and Moderna require. It can be better transported to uh, people's homes, for instance, and it can be better transported, uh, you know, eventually to um, countries that don't have uh, the, you know kind of cold uh, and the freezers that we can have in in some of these countries. So there was a need for that kind of a vaccine. I would say the second reason uh, to do it is that there's still you know, there's still a slice of the market that's there. Uh, so, it, you know, this is a vaccine that's potentially, uh, you know, going to be needed by the entire global population. So that's, you know, 8 billion people, I think, at this point, um, you know, getting the vaccine now, potentially get it in the coming years. And I think the third um, aspect of this, which, uh, you know, is very uh, important, uh, in my opinion, for specifically for J&J, is that uh, the... Johnson and Johnson comes out of a few years in which it was primarily associated with the opioid crisis in the U.S. Right, right. Um, so this is not a company that's enjoying a lot of goodwill, or was enjoying a lot of goodwill, um, you know, in in the country. And then you know, all of a sudden, you have a chance of doing something incredibly, uh, you know, uh, helpful, and be associated with that. So right now, if you hear Johnson and Johnson, the first thought is goes to the vaccine, it doesn't go to any other stuff. And, um, and that's also something that they have done in terms of, uh, again, um, you know, trying to capitalize on this goodwill uh, pretty well. The vaccine mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. far is, is is distributed at a not-for-profit um, model, so they're not planning to uh, make a profit from it.
0: Going back to the issue of manufacturing errors, for example, and of course there's been special concern on the possibility uh, uh, that there may be a relationship between this extremely rare uh, blood clot that has been reported by some who've received the J&J uh, vaccination, and of course, the, the loss of millions of doses. Is there, is there any issue when it comes to partnerships, um, especially uh, when it comes to vaccines, something that is so uh, critical in terms of timing, manufacturing, and, and, and all that goes along with that process?
1: um i don't believe that you know the partnership itself is uh, is to be blamed in this and and most definitely uh, you know that is not to be blamed for the blood clot these are independent um independent issues and um and i think when it comes to the blood clots too it also happens extremely rarely like we're talking about less than 1 in a million the, the chances that you know blood clot of a different kind but in any case you know that would emerge from um a painkiller, like a regular painkiller uh, over the counter, the pill, you know, flying, taking an airplane, smoking, like these are all things that, you know, increase in some percentage uh, your risk of blood clots. Um, so it, they're, they're two separate issues. And I think, you know, uh, it's sort of because J&J got caught into like two hiccups, one after the mm-hmm. other. It's It's easy to conflate them.
0: Do, do you think that, of course, there's been a lot of bad publicity around uh, J&J and the vaccine and wh- is it trustworthy and all this sort of thing? And a lot of those have been dealt with uh, by uh, risk-benefit analysis and that sort of thing, saying that, yes, the vaccine is uh, relative to the risk safe. But do you think that this is uh, this sort of uh, reporting, the bad press, the, the, the media storm that's been built up around it, it's going to be hard for J&J to, to shake that off?
1: Uh... Don't think so, personally. I think, Uh, and I also don't know that. I also don't know that it was necessarily bad press per se. Mm. I think it's it's a difficult and tricky thing to do because. um, So what happened is, you know, rare cases. Of this black clot disease, like emerged, it's less than one in a million. But it is a drug that's that you know that's in it's been used in an emergency uh, context, and so it's pretty standard to interrupt it and make sure that we understand what's going on. You know, at the very least, to understand, for instance, who's predisposed. We've seen that women, you know, uh, are, are more predisposed to it, and again, like predisposed to something that may happen less than one in a million times, so like cases, so very very remote chance, um, and so it's hard to report that. And this is something that happens with all new medications, but because all eyes are on it right now, it's, it's very hard to report it without, uh, you know, uh, raising alarm, because that's what everybody's looking at. And again, the other thing is that we're talking, like, you know, the gender vaccine for the moment has been, you know, administered in the US where there's you know, quote-unquote choices. So people have Mm other vaccines. But, Mm -hmm. you know, in most of the world, that's not the case. Uh, And, you know, and there's, you know, many countries where, you know, getting Pfizer or Moderna wouldn't be possible because of the technology that's available uh, for, you know, for cold storage. So um, I don't think that, that, you know, that people would opt out necessarily of having a life-saving vaccine.
0: When you're managing a team, it can be hard to get everyone on the same page especially when your freelancers go rogue. Now, wait a minute. I'm not knocking freelancers, but sometimes, well, it feels like it can be tough to find really great ones. But with our sponsor, Fiverr Business, it's easy to find and manage top talent. Fiverr Business gives you access to an all-star team of super freelancers, plus all the tools and support you need to easily integrate them into your existing workflow. To begin with, they've got a team of dedicated business success managers, that can help match you with the best talent for your team. No more endless guessing and interviews. And once you've found that perfect freelancer, whether you're hiring someone to design a logo or for voiceover, data entry, translation, anything you can dream up, really, with Fiverr Business, you can collaborate with your team, manage projects, and even share freelancers all in one workspace. Look, I've hired freelancers in the past, but it's been hit and miss. I feel like I'm reinventing the wheel each time I need to find someone. Fiverr Business makes it so much easier. Collaborating online hasn't been this easy since ever. And right now you can sign up for Fiverr Business absolutely free for the first year. Get one free year and save 10% on your purchase on Fiverr Business with promo code WARS. Just go to fiverr.com business and don't forget promo code WARS. We get support from our crowd Wish you were in early on some of the best performing IPOs of 2019 and 2020. Our crowd investors were, and now you can join them in what's next. With our crowd, accredited investors have access to invest directly, easily, and most importantly, early. Our crowd investors have benefited from our crowd companies IPOing, like Beyond Meat, or being bought by companies like Intel, Nike, Microsoft, and Oracle. Our crowd's investment professionals leverage their extensive network to review some of the most promising private companies and startups in the world. Once our crowd has selected a deal, they offer accredited investors the opportunity to invest alongside them with the same terms. Right now, you can become part of our crowd's investment in Launchpad, revolutionary AI powered autonomous manufacturing that incorporates 3D printing to efficiently combine multiple materials into complex products. Launchpad is backed by Idealab, the startup incubator co-founded by famed VC Bill Gross that has launched over 150 companies ranging from hardware and robotics to clean tech. You can get in early on Launchpad and other unique opportunities at ourcrowd.com. If you're interested in investing, you need to join OurCrowd. The OurCrowd account is free. Just go to ourcrowd.com. Slash BW. Annalisa Morelli is a healthcare reporter for Quartz, and we're talking about the vaccine wars which have been underway. You know, when I, when I think back on how much has changed, and and how much has changed for these individual companies. You know, you look at Moderna; it looked like it was a failed startup before the pandemic, and now uh Annalisa it's, it's one of the biggest brands in the world how critical do you see the vaccine race to Moderna's business fortunes
1: oh fundamental fundamental the uh, you know i i doubt that most of uh Amer- americans or people in the world really would have heard of uh moderna before um before they started uh, working on the covid-19 vaccine and now it's you know It's a common name that everybody knows what, you know, uh, what is doing and what is working on. I think even beyond that, mRNA is something that people are now uh, somewhat familiar with. And again, it's, you know, it was a pretty obscure technology, um, you know, prior to the COVID-19 vaccine.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And if you think about sort of pulling out the telescope a little bit, how do you see all this attention affecting the value of these companies that we've been talking about?
1: Uh you know, the brand recognition, the investment, the possibility of uh, further research in mRNA is going to be enormous. But I think also, um, you know, this will be an important moment because the potentials and the possibilities of mRNA technology are really, really huge. And they go far beyond, uh, you know, creating vaccines, uh, you know, speedily and, um, you know, and the kind of uh, applications that we've seen in the past year. And having, like, it's almost like we got through the development of this vaccine a boost of confidence in this new technology that could potentially change the way we treat a lot of diseases.
0: Yeah, I think that's a really important point, too. It reminds me, in fact, of when, say, uh, the last World War happened. Uh, World War II, I'm talking about a fighting war. We had the development of all sorts of technologies that we didn't know about or or couldn't really uh, fully conceive of, at least in the popular imagination, that emerged at the end of the war. As a result of all of the research and development and manufacturing that took place during the conflict, in a sense, it's almost as if one of the major side benefits of this war against um, COVID 19 is that we now will have a whole range of medical tools. Perhaps we, we might not have, uh, have come across as quickly uh, were it not for the sort of collaboration and intensity over these mm-hmm. vaccines.
1: Mm-hmm. Absolutely, and I think uh, just like this is a reminder of also just how much we can do as a as a humanity when we collaborate on something, and like how quickly we can come up with solutions, and how much uh, you know, sort of like in many ways, science is faster, uh, you know, than than politics or international cooperation when it comes to finding uh, solutions to things. Um, a lot of scientists, I remember speaking to uh, to researchers last year, um, you know, discussing the fact that it would, you know, they would want that going forward.
0: That is a fascinating observation for sure. Um, Speaking of, I mean, there may be a need for continued collaboration given how we've seen COVID variants pop up all across the world. Are these companies, are they well, how well positioned are they uh, to manufacture help out with um, dealing with additional shots I mean I, Pfizer and Moderna both recently announcing their vaccines are going to need an additional booster shot within a year of, of the second dose right so are they what sort of position are they in to meet that demand
1: they uh, that's it that's a great question it seems as if they are able to meet that demand. Um, obviously, the initial lift will be, you know, this year and, and the next in some countries where you'll need to get everyone the first, you know, the first two doses or the first dose to sort of like get the immunity going and kind of stop in the pandemic. But then uh, they'll probably continue uh, to produce that. And it seems that the capacity will be there.
0: Speaking of what's happening in other countries, I want to shift gears here because I know we have a lot of listeners in India, and India Mm -hmm. is one of the largest manufacturers and exporters of vaccines in the world, but they're Mm -hmm. also struggling to distribute doses of COVID-19 vaccine locally. While its mm-hmm. population is struggling with this horrific surge in COVID cases, now, I know you've been reporting on how hospitals in India can't even get basic emergency supplies like oxygen right now. Right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What are some ways pharmaceutical companies can push for easier vaccine access in these countries? Is that does that seem to be uh, the core of it uh, right now? I mean, th- that the healthcare system there isn't always able to reach people in say more rural parts or perhaps the the healthcare system isn't quite as stable as it needs to be to deal with an issue like a pandemic
1: well there's many many elements at play right now in india i think um you know definitely there is in some parts of the country uh, you know and particularly in rural areas or out of you know big uh, big cities there's an issue of just the sheer um, quality of healthcare you know you don't have the same kind of technologies and you know ICUs capacities that you would have um, in some in some Western countries, so there's definitely that. And then you know when it comes to the vaccines, um, it, it's the biggest producer of vaccines in the world. Uh, but then you know a large part of the vaccines that it has. Produced are part of the Covax, um, you know, uh, agreement, and so they have been sent. They, ha- they have been produced to be sent out to other countries, and then they. Some of the vaccines that have been developed in Western countries cannot be produced there because of patents. And so that's one thing that pharmaceutical companies can do. Mm-hmm. Um, and by the way, there is. Obviously, there's a humanitarian angle to it. You know, people should have equitable access to vaccine. But there's also a selfish argument. Like, you know, the, if we don't stop the uh, outbreaks that, you know, to the scale that we see in India, the likelihood of new variants emerging that, you know, are vaccine resistant go higher. And, you know, and then, you know, eventually the virus gets back to us, too.
0: You know, the question of access, was an important one here in the United States... And now, as of today, uh, everyone over 16 is eligible to get a vaccination here in the U.S., and nearly half of the population has already received their first dose. But I understand polling data from the Kaiser Family Foundation suggests those numbers could actually start to trend down in the next few weeks. Are we at a tipping point where supply could outweigh demand? And and what's that going to mean for these companies' mass production?
1: Well, uh, I think it will be a little longer uh, before supplies outweighs demand um but again uh as we were saying earlier like the u.s is far ahead most of the world when it comes to the percentage of population that's been vaccinated and so uh you know there's going to be need elsewhere and you know just of today you've heard um you know biden has announced that he's donating 60 million astrazeneca doses after they're approved to the u.s um to other countries because there's um you know, there's an excess, and I think you know there will be a case for diverting doses that have been bought and that have been produced to, um, you know, to other countries that need them. And you know, the sort of a like global supply can certainly use more uh, than what it has right now. It's not been distributed equally across the world.
0: Of course, this is an ongoing story, and you can read more of Annalisa Morelli's reporting over at qz.com. That's Quartz, of course. Annalisa, thanks so much for sharing with us your expertise and your insights. Uh, It's been great to have you on Business Wars.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: On our next episode, we're going to be returning to the wild and woolly world of pro wrestling. Talk about a gear shifter. We're going to be looking at a special edition of our WWF versus WCW season featuring enhanced audio and a brand new interview. From Wondery. You've been listening to Episode 7 of Vaccine Wars for Business Wars. If you like our show, please give us a five-star rating and a review, and be sure to tell your friends. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, the Wondery app, or wherever you're listening right now. Join Wondery Plus in the Wondery app to listen one week early and ad-free. You'll also find some links and offers from our sponsors in the episode notes, supporting them helps us keep offering our shows for free. You know, there's another way you can support the show, and that's by filling out a small survey at wondery.com survey. And tell us which business stories you'd like to hear. I'm your host, David Brown. Puffs Up Athema, produced this episode. Karen Lowe is our senior producer and editor, edited and produced by Emily Frost. Sound designed by Kyle Randall. Our associate producer is Kate Young. Dave Schilling is our producer. Our executive producers are Jenny Lauer-Beckman and Marshall Louie. Created by Hernán López. For Wondery. Hey, I'm Mike Corey, the host of Wondery's show, Against the Odds. In our next season, I'm telling an amazing true story about American sailors who wrecked their ship off the coast of Africa in 1815. They're captured by a nomadic tribe. To escape... They will need to cross the largest hot desert in the world to reach civilization. They will battle against blistering heat, inhumane conditions, hunger, and thirst. Their heroic fight to get home will have a much greater impact than just on their own lives. It will influence a future president and change the course of American history in ways that are still felt today. This is the true story of the men who made it, and it's one that you don't want to miss. Subscribe to Against the Odds on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, The Wondery App, or wherever you're listening right now.